welcome back to the Digital Soup Podcast. I'm Samantha Davis, and today I wanted to talk about veganism. And so I know that you're probably listening to this podcast in your car or, you know, when you're busy with something wanting to listen to something because that's when I listen to podcasts. So uh, I will be sure to write an article about this soon so you can just check the website. But also... There are some people that I think you should check out as well. So uh, I have a couple YouTubers that I really like, and uh, I think they deserve some recognition, as well as a fellow podcaster, uh, which is a million times more informed and talented <laughs> than I am. Uh, it's Podcasting Duo, and their, po- their podcast is called Forked Up, but originally they are called Thug Kitchen, and their blog is called Thug Kitchen. Uh, it's completely vegan, and they just go through how to start being vegan and great substitutes. I've listened to, I've listened to them for years, and I've also read a lot of their books and posts. I think they're amazingly talented and really fun to just get a kind of a frank uh, explanation of veganism. So on the YouTube front. Uh, I think if you're having questions about any diet, really, like the keto diet or veganism, I really recommend uh, looking up Abby Sharp on YouTube because she is an actual dietitian and she does a great series where she reviews different diets and what they can do to your body. And she also reviews certain YouTubers and their diets because there's like this trend of doing a what I eat in a day especially if you're vegan or some other weird diet focused person (laughs) Uh, so she's great she gives a very frank very easy to understand explanation of all these different diets and I really like listening to her she's very fun very easy to listen to and through her I found out about unnatural vegan which is another youtube channel and it's a very fun youtube channel to watch because she actually has been a vegan for years and she talks about all the things that you have to do if you are vegan like talk to your doctor and see what vitamins you're missing in your uh in your body from this diet take your vitamins uh she does what i eat in a day videos and they're actually very informative and realistic And then if you're feeling kind of fancy, uh, this YouTube channel, which was a comedy channel that I loved. um, Well, actually, no, he's not a comedy channel. His girlfriend is. One of my favorite YouTubers is Jenna Marbles. She's hilarious. Look her up. She has been vegan forever. Um, But she actually isn't doing cooking channels or anything. Uh, That's Julian Solomita. So Julian Solomita uh, got turned vegan by Jenna Marbles. They've been dating for years. They're a great comedic duo couple. They're really just fun. They bring a smile to my face every week that I see them on YouTube. But lately, and for the past month, um, they Julian Solomita has been doing vegan recipes and experimenting in the kitchen. And most of it's not really like super healthy stuff, but it's really fun to watch. And you just to to see someone experiment in the kitchen with whatever. He did like three different kinds of vegan mac and cheese of like varying levels of like uh, skill level, which I thought was really great to do. And 
honestly, he's just really fun to watch. He's a great YouTuber. I have no problem with him. Um, so please check them all out. They're all really great, hardworking YouTubers and podcasters, just content creators that I think deserve some recognition. So I don't know if you guys have been checking the website, digitalsue.com, uh, but I did actually start posting all the articles that I've been talking about on this podcast. So please go over and check them out. I've also added a few recipes and this week I'm currently testing a few. And so, you know, now that you're listening, I might as well tell you I'm testing some brownies. I'm doing all sorts of brownies right now. Uh, and I decided to do sort of a special flavor combination for each one. So I'm very excited and I have just one more recipe to test and then I'm going to make them all over again for a nice little photo shoot. And I've already posted the Amoretti cookies recipe, but I could not find a picture. And I'm so mad because I know I took a picture and they're really cute. They're cute little like crackly little thumbprint cookies. So I will be remaking those soon. I'm thinking about maybe this week I'll be remaking them and posting a picture to the website. So that's very exciting too. And I didn't want to go much further uh, with other plans about the website that I'd be doing because I don't want to get too far ahead of myself on here. Uh, but I did want to give you guys a fun little podcast. So this one is about something that I've actually been very interested about lately. So veganism. I feel like vegans kind of get a bad rap. Like I, they're kind of the butt of a lot of jokes lately. Uh, but most of the vegans I know are pretty cool about stuff. Everyone does it for their own reasons. And mostly, but mostly people who go vegan are trying to help the environment, which I really respect. And you really can help the environment by at least going vegan one meal a day. And I promise you vegans listening, uh, you're not that annoying at restaurants if you call ahead. Uh, the only annoying vegans that we really just don't like are people that just show up and expect the restaurant menu to be vegan. When a lot of places just aren't, especially something that's sort of on the fine dining side, there's going to be a lot of steaks on the menu, a lot of like fish and chicken. There probably will be a vegetarian option, but that ne doesn't necessarily make the vegetarian option vegan. So I would advise you to call ahead if you know the restaurant isn't vegan, like they don't expressly state they are. And, you know, if you call ahead, actually eat the stuff you called ahead for. I used to work at this fine dining restaurant. And we had a huge problem with people calling in and telling us their dietary restrictions. And then when they came in, they didn't eat anything we had made specially for them. We had a huge party of vegans come in and they asked for a whole vegan menu. We told them what we would be doing. They come in, they do not order anything from our vegan menu that we created for them. They just like came in and when we asked them, because we thought we must have gotten our reservations mixed up or something, they said, oh, we're only vegan at home. We're okay with eating animal products when we go out. 
why did you call in first then? <laughs> so it was just a whole thing and that eventually actually led to us having a secret vegan menu, which was pretty cool. Uh, delicious stuff. I'm not saying every restaurant's going to have a secret vegan menu. Just as long as you call ahead, no one's going to be mad at you. It's fine. <laughs> so, yeah, that's the only way you actually are going to piss someone off by being vegan is showing up at a restaurant and expecting us to cater to you or calling ahead and having us cater to you and not eating any of the things we created for you. I just feel like that. I feel like most people know that's kind of rude. <laughs> so getting to the environmental factors on the individual level you can make a huge difference on how resources are being used to create the food that ends up on your plate. So just talking about the amount of water being used for different kinds of food, each day being uh, spent on a vegan diet saves about a thousand gallons of water a day, a little bit more, uh, depending on like what you're eating. It takes about 2000 gallons of water to make a pound of beef. It takes 500 gallons of water to make one pound of chicken. It only takes 100 gallons of water to raise one pound of produce. That's amazing, right? Just think about the amount of food you eat in a day. Think about the amount of animal products you use because just, have you ever seen a fucking cow? They're giant. Of course they drink a lot of water. And of course the food they eat requires water. So that's also factored in. And chickens, are usually pretty small when they're natural chickens, when they're GMO chickens pumped with all these antibiotics and stuff. They're fucking huge. They drink a lot of water too. And the corn they eat, because usually they eat some kind of corn or some grass, all sorts of stuff. But they eat a lot of vegetables. And that water used for the vegetables is factored into their diet as well. Can you believe? It's so much water. And while the water you saving is huge, I urge you to research the produce that you buy. Because that avocado toast that got you 1,000 likes on Instagram might have been picked by someone who is working for next to nothing in this country. I really urge people to do that because I think a lot of people don't factor that into their thought process on going vegetarian or vegan. Yeah, it's going to help our sort of like slaughterhouses not be as prevalent but there's also so many people who just people who are working as fruit pickers or working on a farm for next to nothing because either they're illegal or this is the only kind of work they can find right now and this is the only kind of place that will have them and I think the best thing you can do is to just look up uh, the companies that you're buying your produce from. However, one of the best places to get produce, in my opinion, is from your local farmer's market or smaller businesses in your area. So a farmer's market, you're supporting a small business, smaller farms that ethically source their labor and produce. I'm aware this is not an option for everybody, not everyone has a farmer's market right outside them. I mean, San Diego is full of like hundreds of them right now. Not hundreds, maybe probably like maybe 50, honestly, probably close to 50. There's companies out there that want to ethically source produce 
for you. And it's usually they're very easy to find. There's a company, I don't know if they're, they've gone outside of California. It's a small business called Specialty Produce. They work with a lot of restaurants and they do some very beautiful, very rare produce. They have a truck that they go around to all these different businesses, show off all the new fruits of the season. It's actually very amazing. They have, they go by season, so they're not pumping their fruit full of, uh, just, I don't know. I don't, I don't work in that business. So I don't know what exactly they're pumping the fruit full of, uh, and, sort of having all these greenhouses so you can have blueberries whenever the fuck you want this year. Like, they're seasonal fruit. You should get them when they're in season. That's another thing you should do. If you are going vegetarian or vegan, or if you're just cutting out animal products at all and you're trying to eat more vegetables and fruits, if you're still going to eat, like, meat and cheese, but you want to have a better idea of uh, the fruits you're eating, look up what's in season and try to Make your menu uh, for yourself match what's in season. By eating things that are out of season, they're probably not that good for you. And they probably don't even taste that good. Like maybe the reason that strawberry you ate was really shitty is because you ate it in December. Like, I'm sorry, the strawberries you get in December are real shitty. Because they're <laughs> either like being grown on the equator so they have such a long way to go for us so that we can actually have them or they're in a greenhouse that just is pumping these out non-stop it's not i don't think it's very sustainable so honestly all you got to do is type you know fruit in season in my area into google and there's usually a huge list and I know what you're thinking. Well, what about winter? Is it like five things that are in season? No, there's a lot of stuff that's in season in the winter. It's mostly really fun root vegetables. And about the, like in the beginning of winter, when it's kind of fall, there's a lot of stone fruit. So you can make some peach pie and you can have like some roasted potatoes. It's easy guys. I promise you, it sounds really hard. All you gotta do, type in there and it's fine. However, I just, I don't mean to rain on anyone's parade in, with the environmental factors about veganism, but I do want to mention that on the individual level, no matter how many vegan meals you eat or how much you recycle, I feel like the earth is very far gone at this point, and the way that we can make widespread change that can actually uh, either stop the damage being done to the planet or slow it down at least is with our votes. Go to the voting booth. Just voting in the presidential election is wasting your fucking vote. I'm just gonna say it, you're wasting your vote. Of course you wanna vote in the presidential election, but if you don't vote in your local elections, change isn't gonna happen, especially in the United States. I don't know really how a lot of other governments work, but I'm sure it's very similar because most countries are cut up into territories that sometimes govern themselves or not govern themselves or like they pass their own sort of laws just like us. I wouldn't just vote in the presidential election. Local elections, state level elections, that's where it's at. 
So you're helping your state, you're helping your county or your city by getting shit done. By You can even vote from home. There's literally no excuse not to vote in all these elections. So, you know, banning single-use plastic straws and silverware. States are actually completely banning them by 2020. Not all 50, of course, because, you know... Everyone uses them, but we have to realize that these are not biodegradable. And I think everyone at this point has seen that terrible video uh, of the sea turtles getting plastic straws stuck up their noses and basically suffocating. We have to be aware of what we're putting out in the earth after we've, we're done using it. I think a lot of people are really okay with just forgetting about things that they've put in the trash they don't care where it's going after it's left their own home. We need to be very aware of what we're doing, especially right now with the way the world is. I mean, our planet's dying. I think everyone knows that at this point. Our planet is fucking dying because of what we're putting out there. And then another reason I hear a lot for people not wanting to vote, especially in local elections is, well, I don't know what most of these are about. And I know that a lot of the votes on b ballots sometimes have an explanation of like a preposition, what it's going to do, but it's basically, it's in legalese. So if you're like me and you have <laughs> just an art degree, <laughs> you kind of don't really know what they're talking about most of the time uh, on these ballots. However, I'm pretty sure all states, but I'm willing to say most states uh, give every registered voter with their little ballot, an educational pamphlet uh, that outlines what each candidate's running for local offices, uh, what their plans for their office are, which I found very helpful because a lot of, we had a lot of candidates this year for all sorts of, I don't know, local election. It was a while ago, so I don't remember the names, but I was very thankful that most of the candidates submitted sort of overview of their plans for the years to come if they are elected and it really helped my decision and there's also non-partisan explanations of every proposition and referendum on the ballot that you're voting on i really like that it's non-partisan because i think both sides are you know sort of saying their plans for the future in the most vanilla way possible to get as many people on board when they're really hiding stuff in these plans that can be detrimental to their voting base. So I'm just going to say it. I don't trust politicians. Most people don't. I'm not saying they're all lying to us because I realize that some people are getting into politics to actually help people. And I really appreciate that. And I feel like I know a few. I know of a few. <laughs> I don't know any politicians really, but I feel like there are a few who are working towards a better life uh, for their constituents. But this nonpartisan pamphlet that they give to you explains what each uh, prop, uh, proposal is saying. And then it explains what happens if you vote yes and explains what happens when you vote no. In 
plain English. Like, I could very easily understand this. I didn't have to ask my dad, what the fuck does this word mean? <laughs> um, so I really like that. And I just, I really appreciate it because sometimes when I sit down to vote, I feel extremely uneducated uh, about the issues because, you know, the, the news doesn't always cover everything that's going to be voted on. And I know that in California, where I live right now, we vote on fucking everything. <laughs> like, absolutely everything is put to a vote um, for the people, which I really appreciate. And I know it's not necessarily true for every, for other states. But, like, you know, I, this past year, I voted on whether or not, like, ambulance drivers should, like, take calls while they're on break. Like, should they go save people while they're on break? <laughs> I'm not going to tell you how I voted, because that's my business. But, yeah, like, what the fuck do I know about that? So, that's where the pamphlet comes in. And that's where I got my education about it. And that's... And I felt very comfortable making, like, an educated decision on whether or not to pass this proposition or not. So, I like it. Now that we've been talking about kind of serious implications of veganism, I thought we could go into the fun part about the food. The stuff that I actually know about. So, I myself have been trying to commit to eating at least one vegan meal a day. Because I know for a fact that I can't go all the way vegan. Just how my work is. You know, what I have to eat. I don't want to be vegan all the time for that. And, you know, I get that a lot of people have the same thoughts. Especially people in the food industry. Where it's like, well, I have to know what everything tastes like. I have to know what it's supposed to be. I know what it's supposed to be like. And I can't just tell from, like, looking at it. I have to taste it. So I totally get why most people in the food industry aren't vegan. I know a lot of vegetarians in the food industry, though. They should get other people to try it if it has meat in it. So, you want to try veganism. I know a lot of people are worried that once they go vegan, uh, they'll fold as soon as they have a bad day because they stress eat or when they're sad they eat. I uh, do this all the time, so I totally know. So don't worry. Don't worry at all. Because you can eat like shit and still help save the planet. I promise. So, lots of junk food manufacturers have decided to go uh, to create vegan options because, let's be honest, it's a growing uh, consumer base. So they want to hop on that vegan train. Things that I, already, that I already knew were vegan were Oreos, which I think is so cool because they taste amazing. And they're like potato chips. You can't just have one. You have to have like the whole sleeve. <laughs> I feel like I'm just outing my terrible food habits during this part. But uh, Pringles are also vegan. Uh, Pop-Tarts has created an unfrosted Pop-Tart that is vegan. Uh, all the dairy products are in their frosting. So that's pretty cool. Fritos, which are my favorite nacho base. Like, oh my god. Have you ever done, like, Frito nachos? They're delicious, because I'm from Texas, so I love me some Frito pie. Like, it's my favorite thing. I love it so much. But I can't have it all the time, because Fritos are not that good for me. But Fritos are amazing. 
Also, I did not know they were vegan. Uh, Ritz crackers, also vegan. Fruit by the foot. I did not think this would be vegan because most gummy candies, they contain gelatin, which is made by boiling animal bones, and they just sort of scoop all the gelatin that they've extracted off the top, and it's used as a thickener, but fruit by the foot does not have gelatin in it. That's pretty cool to me. So yes, you can have fruit by the foot, but watch out, because I know some gummy candies do not contain gelatin, but most do, so you can look on the back and it does say clearly on the ingredients list, gelatin. It doesn't have like a weird scientific name for gelatin on there, so you can very easily find that. Uh, let's see, uncrustable sandwiches, like the peanut butter and jellies, which I don't know about you guys, but I had those all the time as a kid. I loved those. And then like the ham and cheese ones, or I think they just have a regular like grilled cheese one that you could just like pop in the toaster oven and oh my god it was so good I kind of want to buy some now for like snacks have a vegan snack but um another candy uh you know bad for me thing that I absolutely love I had no idea it was vegan is nutter butters so people who don't know what a nutter butter is is two peanut butter cookies sandwich with more peanut butter so good and I can't believe they're vegan. Good for them. And multiple companies have come out with a vegan box mac and cheese, which I think that's great because I personally have tried some vegan cheeses and a lot of them like block cheeses and I'm not a fan of most of them. There is just like something's always like a little off. It doesn't taste bad to me. It's just it doesn't taste enough like cheese for me to get on board the vegan cheese train. I know some people really like it, but I'm not really a fan. Um, so I think box mac and cheese is the best way to get vegan cheese out there because it's powder. So you're not looking for this right cheese texture. It's just like a powder. And I'm pretty sure they have like nutritional yeast in that powder because that tastes so much like Parmesan cheese. Like that's the only cheese substitute that I actually really love is nutritional yeast because it tastes just like Parmesan to me. And then also, people have made vegan frozen pizzas, which I've never had, so I can't attest to how good they are. Um, you know, just refer back to my little tangent about vegan cheese. So maybe attack that with a grain of salt, but they could be really good. I don't know. I'll test it out. Maybe I'll post on the Instagram if I've tested it and how it tastes. And... So if you're trying to go vegan and use this as an opportunity to cook more at home and not eat like shit all the time, I know some very easy food swaps. You can commit to doing one vegan meal a day by just replacing the cow's milk that you put on your cereal with almond milk or oat milk. And I have to say, both, the both of those taste really good. The oat milk, have you ever had an oat milk latte? Delicious. I don't know why it tastes so good, but it does, especially with like some really, a really dark black tea, like a chai or an Earl Grey with some oat milk. It's so good. They taste so good together. <laughs> um, lots of companies have made a vegan mayo for your sandwiches or egg salad, some potato salad. You can make it with some vegan mayo, uh, but good things to just swap it out 
is you could add some guacamole instead, like mash up an avocado or some hummus. So I'll have to think about making a vegan potato salad, see how that happens. Um, butter, which is what I, you know, I would miss most if I became a full vegan, is butter. I love it so much. <laughs> Uh, it can be replaced by just olive oil or coconut oil, some vegetable-based oil, or a lot of companies have like a buttery spread tub, you know, and it's like either like a canola and an olive oil blend, and you just sort of, it, it tastes a, a lot like butter, but it's not necessarily butter, you know? I like to, so, you know, if we're still talking about breakfast, you can start your day vegan, replace the milk in your coffee or tea with some oat milk. You can replace the butter that you put on your toast in the morning with some olive oil or something. But I will say, try to avoid palm oil, P-A-L-M oil, at all costs, because I have a huge problem with it. It can be super damaging to the environment. So talking, so this is hearkening back to what I was just talking about, where you need to research uh, the things you're buying. You really do. I know it's kind of a pain in the butt at first, but it gives you some serious peace of mind because palm oil is contributing to deforestation. There's a lot of illegal operations going down in the rainforest right now where they're just cutting down huge parts of the rainforest to harvest for palm oil. And it's leading to the extinction of a lot of species. So especially orangutans, I believe. Yeah, because that's where they go to be safe from attacks from tigers and, well, people too. So I just, I have a lot of thoughts about veganism because yes, it's very good for the environment, but a lot of the alternatives that have been introduced, to me, a lot of them are really bad for the environment, almost as, pretty much just as bad as if you were not vegan. So I urge you uh, to research if you are considering this lifestyle change. And fuck palm oil. That shit's dangerous as fuck. And it really doesn't taste that good. I really don't like it that much. It's gross. Moving on. <laughs> so vegan chocolate is fairly easy to find. Uh, most dark chocolates do not contain dairy, but it's fairly easy to find on the ingredient label. And you just, as long as you double check your ingredients, if you are addicted to milk or white chocolate, I really wouldn't recommend going fully vegan because you really can't have that because milk chocolate, uh, of course has milk product in it and white chocolate is almost all dairy <laughs> with like a little bit of cocoa butter and stuff in. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't do that. <laughs> Eggs. This is the hardest thing to replace um, because especially with baking, it has so many different uses. It's a leavener, it's a moistener, it's a binding agent. So you just have to kind of realize what you're trying to make and sort of go through the recipe and try to figure out what the egg is doing in the recipe, especially for baking. However, if you're just making like a muffin or something, you can replace the egg with applesauce or a banana, like a mashed up banana, or an, a nut butter like peanut butter or almond or cashew butter. However, if you're making something with eggs 
and you're cooking, not necessarily baking, silken tofu or a commercial egg replacement. A lot of companies have come up with a plant-based egg replacer uh, that you can sort of make scrambled eggs with in the morning. So you know what? Through this list, I've created a breakfast that anyone can just make in five minutes and run out the door with. You can make your toast with your vegan butter and then you can scramble up an egg replacement, pop that on, slice up an avocado, and put some oat milk in your coffee and you're done. You're out the door. That's how easy it is. You just have to sit for a second and think and just re retool your regular grocery list a little bit. You can still buy a lot of the non-vegan things you don't want, but it's very easy to go vegan at least one meal a day. You can just get it out of the way in the morning and you can go crazy at night. But I would say cut down on your red meat as much as you can because that's not really as good for you as other meats that you can eat like chicken and fish. Uh Oh, so going back to baking with eggs, you can make a flax egg, but I really wouldn't recommend it because it's like, so it's flax seeds mashed uh, into, so you get like flax seeds and water and you sort of like crush them a little bit and put them in water and let it sit and it like gelatinizes and personally I think they're fucking nasty <laughs> like they're kind of like it's a weird texture and it smells weird <laughs> I'm just not a fan I think it's grody <laughs> so you can also if you're baking and the eggs are technically a leavener you can use a mix of vinegar and baking soda uh, or arrowroot powder, or carbonated water, agar agar, which is a, hold on, it's a seaweed, I believe. Yeah, it's like a seaweed um, that acts as a binding agent. There's also soy lecithin, which is also a binding agent. And I believe that's also made from, I think it's also made from seaweed. It's also vegan. So I will write something about converting your favorite recipes to vegan recipes soon, especially baking, because that's where it gets real weird and you have to sort of science it up and think about the chemical reactions going on. Moving on. Okay. Cream. Cream doesn't have a lot of replacements like a milk can, because you can just replace milk with whatever uh, non-dairy milk there is. I don't think soy milk is that good, so I wouldn't recommend soy milk, but almond milk, uh, oat milk, delicious. You can even make it at home because it's pretty easy. You can get a whole thing of just regular rolled oats, make some oatmeal in the morning, and also make a big batch of oat milk. So, you know, it's gotta just think outside the box when you're grocery shopping because... You can just get whatever, and that was stupid. Cut out the last three seconds. <laughs> so meats, especially if you're doing like a burrito bowl or something, you can replace them with any grain really that you like. Um, but my favorite meat replacers uh, grain-wise are quinoa and rice. Let me tell you, if you hate quinoa, it's probably because you didn't have it cooked right. Because I hated quinoa for the longest time, and then someone showed me how to cook quinoa in a kitchen, 
and it came out really nice and I actually really liked it after. So you just gotta learn about how to cook things right and you'll probably like them, honestly. So technically honey, if you're a vegetarian, you can have honey because that's technically not made from bees. It's like, it's not bee meat, you know, <laughs> honey is just like, it's made from bees. So a lot of vegans don't like to use honey. Um, especially people that raise bees I've found. Cause I recently listened to a really cool interview on the ologies podcast about bees. And she was talking about how usually bees just make enough for themselves to use. So she doesn't even harvest their honey and she uses agave nectar. Um, so that's made from the sap of the agave plant, which is sort of like a cactus. It looks like a really big aloe plant almost without the spikes. I think it's actually a pretty good replacement. Uh, I like it a lot. And honestly, I still put honey in my tea a lot as a sweetener. So I'll probably switch to agave maybe or um, just sugar. And let me just say... I have something to say about sugar. Uh, let me just go on a little tangent because there's a lot of things that are not vegan that would surprise you, starting with sugar. So a lot of white sugars are colored by something called bone char, which is a black, like, granular, weird-looking thing, and it's made by charring animal bones. And that, like, leftover stuff is used to basically, like, bleached with sugar. So your sugar has animal bones in it usually. <laughs> Ew, right? But um, bone sugars that don't use bone char as a whitener are labeled as organic, so it's very easy to find. Non-bone-based sugar. Ew, that sounds gross. <laughs> I honestly, um, when I started working at the place I'm working at now, which is like a we do vegan and gluten-free baker, we're we do regular things that are not vegan and gluten-free, but we do a lot of vegan um, baking, which is very interesting because I don't have a lot of, I don't have a lot of experience with that. And I was talking to my boss who has done multiple years of vegan and gluten-free baking. She said, well, sugar is not vegan because it's got bones in it. Ew. And I just, honestly, that fucked me up for the rest of the day. I was like, what the fuck i so also this is not just for white sugar you need to buy organic brown sugar and orga organic uh powdered sugar because those can be uh refined with bone char too so just buy organic sugar <laughs> and you're safe from bones ew uh another ingredient that means an item is not vegan is casein so if you're reading the ingredients and it says casein, as in C-A-S-E-I-N, that means the item has something that is dairy-based in it. It's like, you can't have that. <laughs> Lastly, though, any food with red food dye in it that is not specified as vegan red food dye, you need to stay away from. Because uh, a lot of red food, red dyes, even for makeup, if you want to go vegan with your makeup, a lot of red makeup and a lot of red foods are made with ground up beetles. It's nasty and definitely not vegan. Um, 
yeah, I forget the name of the bug. Um, but yeah, yeah, you don't need to know the name of the bug. It's a bug that's been ground up to make something red. You don't need that. It's, there's a lot of natural food colorings that are red, so use that instead. And then one of the biggest complaints with going vegan is not having cheese anymore, just like me. Like I was just saying. So, of course, I'm not fully vegan, so I still eat vegan because <laughs> uh, so I still eat regular cheese because I do not like vegan cheese but again nutritional yeast you got to go out and buy it just buy like a little container of it if you're still not sure just sprinkle it on your pizza or something it's delicious you guys got to try it don't sleep on vegan cheese okay we're gonna end the podcast soon I promise but I got a question of the week so, before I start closing down and have, like, the book of the week and the tool of the week, I finally got a question. Uh, so, this is, I'm not going to say the name because that's, I feel like that's illegal. I feel like it is. Okay, so, this person asked, how do I keep my meatloaf moist? Okay, so, if you want to keep your meatloaf moist, I really recommend wrapping it um, in bacon or prosciutto if you want to be fancy, just something with a lot of like fat in it so that as it's baking in the oven, this fat sort of starts to liquefy and starts to flavor the meat that it's wrapped in. No, it's the bacon is wrapped over the meat. So it's flavoring the meat that's been wrapped. I can't do English today. So it's going to have like this delicious, like moist, like mouthfeel. Those are like two words that I know so many people hate. So I feel like I'm just going to lose a subscriber for saying those words. <laughs> but uh, you get a really nice texture when you wrap uh, your meatloaf in bacon and then put it in the loaf pan and put it in the oven. Delicious. You can also glaze the bacon or the meatloaf with sort of like a ketchup, brown sugar glaze. It's pretty delicious. And... You know, you get a little nice bite of sweetness with all the savory with this, like, big thing on meatloaf. Delicious. <laughs> you guys know that you can send me whatever questions you have about cooking or baking to my, in to, not my Instagram, to my email at uh, gmail, at did, hold on. I need a minute. I've been talking for so long. So you can find, um, find us, find our email, which is digitalsue at gmail.com. It's spelled D-I-G-I-T-A-L-S-O-U-S. Uh, and send me your questions. And I'll usually try to type a response. And then um, if I get more than one, I'll just pick one, my favorite one of the week and talk about it on the episode. So. Moving on to our la final little messages is we're talking about the book of the week, which I recently just got a new book and I'm absolutely in love with it because I love Stella Park, who is an amazing pastry chef. She has some really interesting ideas on how to make something taste good and taste like something you had when you were a kid, something very nostalgic. I, In my mind, she's a nostalgia baker, you know? She knows how to make something taste just like how your grandma made, you know? 
and she knows all the secrets and she's very um and she's very ingenious like she has all these really cool new techniques on how to oh here's my favorite one that i just learned that i really thought wouldn't work but did when you're baking a pie you know how you always have to have like some paper in and that if you're blind baking a pie crust you put some paper in and then you put either some dry beans or rice or some fancy dancy uh, ceramic beads in there so you can bake it so it doesn't bubble up and go everywhere so uh, she had the idea to put in sugar instead of beans uh, to keep the pie crust which if you think about it it's a finer granule than a bean or rice so you get into all these little nooks and crannies and you have a much straighter edge all around by packing in this sugar and then I was thinking well don't you make caramel if you put it in the oven and actually what happens is she leaves it in for a certain amount of time and it toasts the sugar so it adds like this caramel like richness to whatever you add it to and I'm like that's so cool and she fully admitted it admitted that she found this out by mistake so I cannot recommend this woman enough she has so many amazing ideas and her book brave tart all one word I'll post a picture of it on Instagram so you can see what it, how it's spelled and everything but brave tart amazing cookbook i've had it on my wish list on amazon for so long i love it so much and i'm so happy i finally got it and the reason i love it is well you guys know that i'm an american <laughs> and i love american snack foods i know these snack foods are really terrible for me so i love to learn about how to make them at home so there's maybe a few less uh extra like chemicals like I know Twinkies used to taste like so good to me, but I haven't had them in like maybe 10 years because my mom was like, these aren't that good for you guys. Maybe don't eat them. Uh, so she stopped buying them when I was very young. And so we grew up on the hostess like cupcakes, like the ding dongs. Oh, I love those. But anyway, so I had a Twinkie for the first time in like 10 years last year. And it tastes like not that great. <laughs> um, you know, like a... I had my nostalgia goggles on thinking about it, but she has a Twinkie recipe and it actually sounds amazing, like a really nice yellow cake with a nice marshmallow filling and I'm into it. So I think that's going to be the next thing I make from her is like a Twinkie because that sounds really good to me. What I love about Brave Tart is while I was reading through the, the book and like flipping to see all the recipes, it recaptured the nostalgia I have for snacks. Like, I literally, after I ate that Twinkie and I thought it tasted gross, I really never expected to want to eat one again, and I hadn't really thought of it in since, you know? And it just popped up in her little recipe list, and now I can't stop thinking about how I want to make Twinkies again, you know? Except I did make faux Twinkies on at a job last year when they turned out pretty good. But, you know, I like wasn't thinking about it like I didn't make it my boss told me to make it you know it wasn't my idea to make Twinkies <laughs> by making these little nostalgia snacks at home I'll be saving money and using healthier ingredients and I want to talk about this 
on this, I decided to talk about this book on this episode because a lot of her recipes have a vegan option or a gluten-free uh, option. Like after the recipe finishes, she'll be like, oh, you can do something kind of weird with the flavor. Like for her Oreos, she showed you, you can make the like little filling creme as strawberry or whatever with like a freeze dried fruit. And I'm like, that's such a good idea. But she also has a little way to make something vegan. I don't think it's for every recipe, but it's for most of them. Like some recipes you just can't really make vegan. Like a lot of them are just really difficult, but most of them do have a way to make a vegan option. So Stella Parks, uh, she has included fun little add-ons to every recipe. I'm reading my overview and I'm just like, I accidentally read through half of it. Um, but yeah, it's the strawberry cream Oreos. And also, I haven't talked about this yet, but after her Twinkie recipe, she showed how to make Twinkie Tres Leches. And I'm like, I have to make this. Oh my God, it sounds so good. And I'm like, I've been exercising and everything like a lot more recently, but I'm still like, <laughs> I still got a little too much pudge than I should, you know? Uh, <laughs> I've just, I'm really new at my current job, like, you know, a couple months in. So I've tasted almost everything, but I'm just constantly surrounded by stuff. So if like a cookie like gets messed up or something, I get to eat it. And I'm not messing stuff up on purpose, you know, to eat it, but I'm still eating stuff that gets messed up. And it's such a bad habit, but I keep doing it. <laughs> um, but anyway, so the recipes, what I love so much about this book is each recipe is usually preceded by a whole, a couple pages of like research on the origins of each dessert. And she has multiple resources, like academic resources that she has cited in the back of the book, which I thought was like an amazing touch because you kind of see um, her thought process on how she made the dessert herself. I thought it was so cool. So my favorite part of Stella Parks's writing is that you can tell that she understands everything that goes on in the recipes to the molecule and explains it without talking down to her readership and without talking out of her ass. Like she knows what she's talking about and she doesn't think she's better than you because she knows it, you know? And she also writes for Serious Eats, which is a really great website. They also have a really fun YouTube channel that she has made an appearance on. And I just gotta say, she just seems very down to earth. I like her for a lot of the same reasons I like Christina Tozzi. So you can read my book report on Christina Tozzi on digitalsue.com. And I really think that I'm going to write another book review on just Brave Tart because it was just, you guys really need to look at this book because it's, it's amazing. It's just, it's so well done and it's everything that I want in a baking book is like, it's everything I want. It's everything most people probably want because I'm fully aware that I'm very basic and a lot of people want the same things I want. Oh yeah. So moving on to the tool of the week, the whisk, the wire whisk. I really don't think you guys should buy those silicone whisks because you just... I feel like you have to work a little harder to get the right consistency with those. And also you can accidentally melt those, which are, is not fun, especially 
silicone whisks that smells really bad when you burn them but wire whisk they're just it's all metal so you can like accidentally leave it in the oven and you'll burn your hand if you try to touch it but you can just take it out and cool it down it's fine you know I've never left a whisk in the oven I don't know why I told you guys that don't leave your whisk in the oven <laughs> so the wire version of the whisk that I recommend was invented in like the 1840s but it fell out of fashion with the handheld egg beater. So if you don't know what that is, my mom actually has one somewhere in the house. So I think I'm gonna try to steal it for a little bit and get a picture for Instagram. So look out on Instagram, but I'm gonna try to describe it. It's like, do you know those electric mixers uh, where it's like a hand mixer and it's got the two like little prongs that are like whipping around, which I don't really like because I don't, I prefer a stand mixer, you know? But anyway, so it looks a lot, so it's got the same prongs, but then it's got a little handle on top so you hold it in there. And then it's got a little crank on the side so you can crank it. And it actually can get some pretty good speed on there just with you cranking a little bit. And so I guess that was like less work or something. I don't know. So home cooks weren't really using that. But the amazing, gorgeous, talented Miss Julia Child, who actually is one of the reasons why I got into food in the first place. I love her so much. Um, she brought it back into popularity uh, when her with her TV show in the 60s because she preferred the wire whisk and everyone was like, oh my god, Julia, you're an amazing, smart, gorgeous lady. Of course I want a wire whisk if you want one. Like she's a fashion trend setter. Like, of course, in a professional kitchen, you didn't have those, like, egg beaters, so whisks were always used in a professional kitchen, which is why she preferred it. It's because she knows that it's just the better tool. And I fully agree with her. It is a better tool. So I did a little, like, I did, like, a little, what's the opposite of a deep dive? I just, like, dipped my toe into the pool of whisk research, you know, on Wikipedia, and... Before the wire version of the whisk, bundles of sticks were tied together to whisk ingredients. And the cool thing is they like cut the ends of the sticks and beat them a little bit, like sort of beat them against the table, I guess. I don't know. They didn't, they weren't specific, um, to release some flavor into whatever you're making. Like, how cool is that? Like, you know, if you got some pine make some pine saw cake <laughs> um i believe the the uh example they used was like they took the branches from a peach tree so their cake tasted a little bit like peach because they sort of like beat some of the sap i guess that's in the tree so that it sort of leaches out into the batter which is pretty cool i wouldn't recommend doing that because of food safety <laughs> um so probably just use a wire whisk uh, but that's that's pretty cool. That's kind of cool how they got to a wire version from that. Um, so, before I go, I want to give you guys an update on the socials that I'll be using soon. Um, I've decided I'm going to create a Facebook group and to post questions to and get updates on, like podcast articles and recipes, possibly more in the future. I'll probably post it on Instagram too, so if you just... If you're off Facebook and want to just do Instagram, I get it. Like, my sister's doing that. She's not on Facebook anymore. Um, 
I don't think she even listens to this. She's probably fine with me mentioning her. (laughs) And also, I know I said I wouldn't do this because I wasn't really into the idea after a while, but after much deliberation, I mean that, and by that, I mean, uh, I listened to a confidence boosting meditation on repeat for about an hour. Uh, I will be retooling and reopening my Patreon page because suddenly my podcast hosting system wants me to upgrade for more storage and to be able to post my podcast on Spotify. So if that's where you get your podcasts, you're probably not listening to me right now. I'm coming for you though. So hopefully you're listening to this on Spotify and you're like, oh my God, she did it. So it's happening soon. And then I have future plans of selling things through the site. Uh, I don't know if you're listening to this chronologically, but if you are, you know that I've mentioned that I want to sell some t-shirts and I've teased that I want to make something uh, for you guys to buy through the website. So that's coming soon. I don't want to talk too much about it because it's still kind of in the beta testing, I guess, uh, part. And I'd have to upgrade the website to like a business and commerce website, which is also going to cost me money. And, you know, I, I got to get money from something. (laughs) Uh, so I'm not pressuring you guys at all. Of course, uh, I still have to retool it a little bit, so you don't have to go right now. Um, I'll let you guys know. I'm thinking honestly that my first tier is going to be like 25 cents a month. <laughs> like you guys, I, I'm not going to have people give me a lot of money. You know, I don't need like $6 a month or $30 a month, which who has that kind of money? Probably people with well-paying jobs. So, so not me. Oh God. <laughs> anyway, Goodbye for now. Uh, make sure to subscribe to this podcast and check out our Instagram page at Digital Sue for sneak peeks of episodes or pictures for what was mentioned during the, this episode, as well as others. Uh, send me your questions through the official email that I mentioned earlier, digitalsue at gmail.com. And goodbye. Have a good... I always want to say have a good evening at the end of this. I've never recorded a podcast in the evening. I guess it's like, maybe you've listened to little snippets of this all day. I guess that's what what it is in my mind. I don't listen to podcasts like that. <laughs> but I'm just thinking like, woo, they spent all day listening to me. So I want to say good evening. So bye. <laughs>